Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. My name is Nestor Flores, and if this is your first time with us, we want to give you a special welcome. And for those of us that call us home, we want to let you know how much we miss you and how much we love you. I'm constantly surprised by who and from where uh, people are watching our, our services. And, you know, I just want to send a special uh, shout out to them. You know who you are. Uh, we're grateful that God can use us to be able to bless your life. We are in a current series called The Reason for Christmas. And in this series, we're looking at the reasons why Christ came on Christmas. And most importantly, we're looking at what it meant, what it means for us that he came on Christmas. The first week we talked about the wonderful surprise of Christmas. We learned that God surprises us by giving us not what we need, not what we deserve, but what we need. He also gives us his forgiveness instead of condemnation. And he gives us a new heart to be able to fulfill the purpose and intention of the law. Last week, our senior pastor was with us and he spoke to us about how to have a wonderful relationship with God. We learned to avoid three beliefs that prevent us from having eternal life. And let me say that I love how our senior pastor preaches. And last Sunday was one of my favorite messages of his And he told us about three beliefs to avoid in order to be able to have eternal life. The first belief to avoid is to avoid thinking that what I have is enough to have eternal life. The second one is to think that I can earn heaven. And the third is to think that I can only give part of my life to Jesus. Today, I want to continue our series and I want to talk to you about how to embrace the wonderful truth of Christmas. And I want us, I want us to learn that Christ came at Christmas to tell us the truth. What do you say we pray and then we jump right into the message. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that is watching. Lord, we come before you to prepare our hearts to receive your word. We want to hear it. We want to receive it. And Lord, we want it to transform us. Thank you, Lord, because your word is precious. Your word is life. Your word is your promises to us, Lord. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. In John 18, 37, Jesus says the following. He says, I was born for this reason. I came into the world for this reason. What reason is that, Jesus? I came to speak the truth. 
You know, it has become increasingly difficult to recognize the truth in our days. It's not easy to always identify or see what is true and what is false, what is real and what is fiction. For example, let me give you two examples. The first one is that now we have such technology where you can take a, a picture in whatever background you want. You could be in Paris, you could be in the Caribbean, and, and you know, you can pretend and take a picture as if you are there without ever needing to leave your house. How many Mandalorian fans do we have in the house? You know, I, I'm a Mandalorian fan, and uh, here's a spoiler alert. No, I'm just joking. Um, if you've watched The Mandalorian, uh, Disney Plus also has a documentary, has another show where they teach you and they show you how the show is made. And they show you how most of the spectacular sceneries you see and most of the ting things that you see on the show aren't really there. They're not really real. And see, we live in a time when so many things that appear real, that appear true, are lies. And that is why more than ever, we need a standard to be able to measure life properly. We need something solid. We need something reliable. We need the truth. And it's so refreshing, at least it is for me, and I hope it is also for you, to hear Jesus say, I was born, I came into this world to speak about the truth. In another occasion, Jesus said, I am the truth. And see, what Jesus is really saying and what we need to understand is not that he has some truth, not that he has a part of the truth. No, Jesus is the truth. And see, because Jesus is the truth, we can align our lives alongside Jesus and in this manner know if we are in line or out of line with the truth. We can know if we're living correctly or if we're not. Today, I want us to look at a story where Jesus encounters a woman who was living a lie who was living a lie that led her to many more lies. And she needed to hear the truth. And here's the wonderful thing about this story. This story of this woman is actually the story of each and one of us. Because we all need to hear the truth. And you're probably saying, why? Why do we need to hear the truth, Pastor? Well, because when we know the truth, we can be set free. When we know what's real and what's not, we can live to God's best for us. And the truth, the truth sets us free. Free from what? Well, it sets us free from the destructive power of lies. It sets us free from the instability of lies. It sets us free from the consequences of lies. Because if you believe a lie, you're going to be subject to living out that lie. And see, the woman in our story is known as the Samaritan woman. And she's well known for the conversation that she had with Jesus at the well. And it is in this conversation that Jesus tells this woman the truth. And not only does Jesus tell the truth to this woman, as he's telling the truth to this woman, he's telling the truth to you and to me. He's telling the truth to all of us. What truth is that, Pastor? Well, Jesus reveals four truths. Here's, let's look at them. The first one is that 
The truth is that Jesus came to look for you. That is the first truth that Jesus reveals to this woman. Look at the passage of the, of the story is found in, in John chapter 4 beginning in verse 1. And look at what it says. It says Jesus, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noon time. If you read the context of the story, Jesus is heading back to Galilee. And uh, he, he's going back from Judea to Galilee. But John tells us that on his way back, that he had to go through Samaria. Now, it's interesting that John mentions this detail. Perhaps he mentions it because it was the shortest way to get to Galilee. The shortest way was to go through the region of Samaria. But I don't think that's why John mentioned it. I think that there's something more implicit. Why? Why, why? why do you think that, Pastor? Well, because culturally, Jews did everything possible to avoid any contact with Samaritans. Jews hated Samaritans. And if they needed to travel through that region, they would go around. They would avoid it at all costs. It is believed that some of them were even willing to, to make their trip three days longer just to avoid the region of Samaria. But not Jesus. Jesus not only not avoids it, he passes through it and he stops in one of the towns. And in the Bible tells us, John uh, narrates to us and he tells us that he sits at Jacob's well. Now, let me tell you that nothing that Jesus did was ever by coincidence, was, was ever just a random act. It was not a coincidence. Jesus sat at that well because he was looking to have an encounter with this woman. Why? Why was Jesus wanting to encounter this woman? Well, Luke tells us in, in Luke 9, 10, the following. Look at what it says. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. See, Christ came at Christmas to look for you and to look for me. He came to look for you so that you would no longer have to live under the power of lies. So that you would know the wonderful, liberating truth. The truth that you are seen by God. The truth that you matter to God. The truth that there is a better way to life. Jesus came to seek you and to seek me. And that is the first truth that Jesus reveals. But second, Jesus came at Christmas to show us that the truth is that my sin has consequences. My sin has consequences. Why did Jesus come seeking this woman? Well, because she was in a painful condition. Pastor, how do you know she was in a painful condition? Well, a detail in the text opens the curtain for us. It, it reveals to us her condition. Look at what verses 6 and 7 of John 4 say. It says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well. Look at this, look at this next detail about noontime. Soon 
a Samaritan woman came to draw water. What time was it when this woman came to the well? John says it was about noontime. Why is this significant? Well, because women did not draw water at noontime. Noontime was the hottest time of the day. The custom was for women to draw water when it was cooler. And that would be earlier in the morning or later in the evening. Not at noontime when it was the hottest. And not only does she come at noontime, but she comes alone. And see, women did not draw water alone. It wasn't safe. It wasn't secure. They always were accompanied by somebody because they wanted to be secured. And this woman, the fact that this woman comes alone in that noon tells us a lot about her condition. See, she was a woman with a sinful lifestyle that was so embarrassing that she had to go draw water when nobody else was there. She didn't have many friends. And that's why she comes alone because her life was such a sinful lifestyle that even her people being her friends, would ref her lifestyle would reflect on them. So she's a woman who's been rejected by the community, who's been marginalized by society. She's a woman who is stained by sin and now her sin is taking a toll. See, Paul wrote in his letter to the Galatians in chapter 6, verse 7. Look at what he says. He says, you will always harvest what you plant. Can I read that one more time? I, I know this is a familiar passage, but sometimes we become so familiar that we miss the power and the truth of those familiar verses. Look at what Paul says. You will always harvest what you plant. Would you tell that to somebody if your kids or your spouse or your friends are next to you, would you tell them, you are always going to harvest what you plant? And then Paul goes on to say, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. What a great truth. What a powerful truth. How we live has consequences. Now, it's very easy to think, and many people think, that they can get away with sin. That they can sin and nothing's going to happen. And I want to tell you that that is the biggest lie that Satan tells people. Here's what you need to know. Here's why Jesus came. Because all sin has consequences. All sin always has consequences. Someone said that sin is like credit. That you get what you want now, but you pay for it later. And see, the problem with sin is that we don't know what the price is. We don't know what we're going to have to pay for it till later. We don't know what the consequences will be. And we don't get to choose the consequences till after we have sin. See, many people think that they really want what sin offers and that, 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 that whatever price they have to pay is worth it until the bill arrives, until the consequences come. That's when they realize that sin costs more than they can imagine. That sin is not cheap. That sin has a high price. That sin 
will cost you your reputation. That sin will cost you your marriage. That sin will cost you your children. That sin will cost you inner peace. That sin will cost you your freedom because sin is very expensive and you always have to pay for it. See, the Samaritan woman was experiencing the consequences of her sin. She's living a lonely life. She's living a marginalized life by society. She's living with the pain of one bad relationship after another and after another and after another. She's living far from God. She's living spiritually dead. She's living with an empty soul. She's living with a thirsty uh, spirit. And she's paying the high price of sin. And see, that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus wants us to deal with sin as soon as possible. That's why Jesus seeks her out. That's why Jesus came at Christmas to tell us the truth that sin has consequences. And you need to understand that God loves us just as we are. That God loves you and he accepts you just as you are. But that he loves you too much to live you in that condition. The third truth is that the truth is that I can't hide my past from God. We can't hide our past. We can't hide our sin from God. See, the story continues with Jesus asking the woman for some water. And she's surprised that this Jewish man um, is asking a Samaritan woman for water. Look at what verse 9 says. It says, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? See, in those days, men did not speak to women much less a Jew to a Samaritan woman. But Jesus, he, he saw her need. So he starts this spiritual conversation with her. And she, because of her, her, her condition, she's not able to understand the spiritual conversation that Jesus is having with her. So Jesus has to keep the conversation to the surface. And Jesus says something to her so beautiful. He says, that he has a gift that he can give her. That if she only asked him, that she would receive from him living water. And see this woman, she's perplexed because she says, you don't even have a bucket to draw water. Where are you gonna give me this living water from? And see, Jesus was not talking about a physical thirst. Jesus was talking about a living water that was the solution to her situation. And he wants to, to be able to reveal, he wants to be able to get to the point of her condition, to her need. But she keeps dodging him. She's unable to understand where Jesus is leading her. So Jesus has to confront her with the truth. Jesus has to get to the point of her need, of her situation. And look at what John 4, 16 and 18 says. Here's what Jesus says. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you are right 
You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you are living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. See, when Jesus tells her, go and get your husband, she replies, I don't have a husband. Now, notice that she does what many of us do when we sin. What does she do? She hides it. See, we've been hiding our sin from the very beginning. From the very beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid from God. They live in total innocence. But when sin entered their lives, they sought to hide from God. And see, God knows the destructive power of sin. And he knows that as long as we hide it, it will continue to destroy us. That's why. That's why God seeks to reveal the sin to us, to expose our condition to us. But we do what this woman did. We try to hide it. How is it that we try to hide our sin? Well, let me give you three ineffective ways that we try to hide our sin. The first is that we try to hide it by trying to ignore it. But you and I, we know the truth. No matter how hard we try to ignore it, Sin is always there because the consequences are there. The second way we try to hide it is that we try to be good by sheer force of goodwill. We think, I think we've all made this statement at one point or another. We've definitely made this promise. We said, I promise not to do it again. And we're sincere. And being sincere matters. But it's not enough. Because willpower is not enough. The third and effective way that we try to hide our sin or deal with our sin is that we give into it. And see, when we do that, it only leaves us more empty. It only leaves us feeling more guilty. It only leaves us feeling more ashamed and alone. And that's what this Samaritan woman did. See, she entered into a relationship and her heart was broken. So she went into the next one and her heart was broken. And she went into the next one and her heart was broken. And she did this five times. She kept repeating her sin. And she finally gave up. And perhaps she said, I can't do it right. So why even try? And when Jesus confronts her with her sin, she decides to keep it a secret. Now, I think that if we're honest, we all have a place we all have dark places in our life where we're trying to hide the sin because we're ashamed, because we feel guilty. And God wants to confront us with the truth. And the truth is that he knows. He knows your past. He knows all we've done. We can't hide it. In fact, God knows more about you than anybody else. God knows you more than anyone can ever know you. But even though he knows everything about you, he loves you more than anyone can love you. And there may be some reasons why. There may be some people who think that they can hide it and they can keep it a secret. But the truth is that you can't hide anything from God. To God, nothing is hidden. And it is only when we confess it to God that we can be set free from our sin. Now, how are we set free? Well, 
We're set free from the power of sin when we're honest with ourselves and with God. And we need to be honest with ourselves too. We need to be willing to admit that what we did is wrong so that we can also admit it to God. Why do we have to be honest, pastor? Well, because if you're not honest and you continue to try to hide your sin, the destruction of sin is going to continue in your life. But if you deal properly with sin by confessing it to God, by coming before God in honesty in admitting and asking for forgiveness, then the deterioration that sin causes is going to stop in your life. And that's why Jesus came. But fourth, the fourth thing is that the truth is that Jesus is the only one who can satisfy my deepest needs. Look at what verse 10 of that passage says. It says, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And then in verse 14, he says, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. See, as Jesus speaking to this woman, he's using the imagery of a well and water to describe people like you and me. And the truth is that like this woman, we are spiritually thirsty. There is a thirst in our life that only, listen to me, only God can quench. And, and some of you, you know that to be true. You're just haven't been honest with yourself and with God. You've tried substances. You've tried a relationship. You've tried riches. You've tried uh, fame. You've tried so many things. But you know that nothing can satisfy your deepest needs. Only God can. Only God can quench our deepest thirst. And see, God has a spring of spiritual water that satisfies our deepest needs. Because God has a new meaning for your life. God has a new direction for your life. God wants to give your life a new purpose. And everything changes when we have an encounter with the living water. See, in January, starting January 3rd, we're going to begin our 21-day fast. And we want to let you know since now so that you can prepare for it. And if you've never heard about the 21-day fast, we have all the information uh, you need. We're, we put out a, a pamphlet with all the details, recipes, guidelines, reasons why we do it. But, but the point of it is that for 21 days, we begin our year fasting because fasting teaches us. Fasting reminds us that our deepest satisfaction that our deepest need can only be met by God. And I think after the year we're having, I think it is without reason, it is without an excuse, I'm sorry, that we need to fast as we begin 2021. And during this 21-day fast, the Lord has led us to approach our fast with the emphasis of humility, of humbling before God. That passage in Corinthians says that if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will heal their land. 
And I think that what we're lacking is to humble before God. We have become self-sufficient. We have tried to find our satisfaction, our meaning, our direction in so many things. And we have forgotten that only God can meet our deepest need. So through this fast, and I hope you join us. And if you're a parent that's got teenagers or little ones, this is, this is the time for everybody to do it. My kids who are seven, four, and two are going to be joining us in this fast. Obviously, we're going to modify it for them, but they're going to be joining us. And we're going to be doing it because we need to come back. We need to come back to our true satisfaction. We need to come back to the right place. And that is in the feed at the presence of God. So I hope you join us. I hope you begin to prepare to join us for our 21-day fast. But if you're saying, Pastor, what if I can't wait till January? What if I feel empty and unsatisfied today? What can I do, Pastor? Well, there's two things you can do. One is be honest. Admit your emptiness. Admit it to yourself and admit it to God. But don't stop there. Because if you stop there, if you only stop at admitting your emptiness, you're going to make yourself more depressed, more miserable. The second thing you do is that as you come to God, you accept the gift that Jesus offers you. See, we got to come before Jesus and be honest and say, Lord, I've tried to fill my life with many things. And you can be specific about what you've tried. And say, Lord, I've, although I've tried these things, they have only left me more empty. And as you're honest, and it's going to require honesty once again. It's going to require honesty to see the true condition of your life. And as you're honest, you're going to sense God drawing to you. James tells us that if we draw to God, he will draw to us. And when he draws, when you have an encounter with God, he's going to offer you a free gift. And that is the gift of eternal life. Look at what Jesus said in John 7, 37. He said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Pastor, what is that living water? What is that living water that satisfies my need, that gives me eternal life? It's Jesus. You have to remember, this is a metaphorical uh, illustration. What Jesus is saying, when you have me, when I come into your life, when I get inside of you, he says, I'll satisfy your needs. I'll produce eternal life. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. 
We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.